You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another thrill-packed edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining us today, tanned, rested, and ready for another uh, podcast back from vacation, our veteran leader, Bill Lack. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing good. I'm ready to du- duke it out over this Brandon Phillips fiasco. <laughs> oh, man. You know, uh, this is sort of proof that we don't always agree on everything, the editors at RedLegNation.com. Um, we've sort of disagreed on the way to take this whole Brandon Phillips issue from last week. And let me just go ahead and set the stage real quick, and then I'll let you go ahead and jump in, and you can go ahead and uh, beat me up as much as you want. Uh, obviously, earlier uh, this week, depending on when you're listening to it, it could be last week, the Reds and Cardinals had the big series, and we were all uh, excited for it, pumped up. Oh, goodness, it was uh, going to be the biggest series in 11 years. Well, uh, around the day one of that series, Brandon Phillips made some remarks about how he – Hated the Cardinals. They are how they are uh, whiny, and matter of fact, they're whiny little bitches. He said, uh, just to, to quote Brandon. And uh, I'm not sure that anybody can disagree with that. Matter of fact, uh, reviews from around the league, the Braves radio announcer said, uh, I can't believe he said it, but everybody in the league agrees with that. Uh, there's no question that Tony Larusa and that bunch are whiny. But of course, what happened was the next day there was a big brawl. Cueto gets suspended, uh, some fines thrown out, Dusty Baker suspended, and it was a big mess. Now, Bill, what's your perspective on the, the Brandon Phillips comments and how much, or if at all, they contributed to the Reds' exceptionally poor play during the St. Louis series? I'm not attributing anything to the to Brandon's to Phillips' comments, but I can't figure out what the hell was in his head. What what was his point? What did he think he What did he think he was going to accomplish for this team by making these asinine comments? I mean. Isn't this supposed to be a team game? And aren't these comments, you know, it's all about me, 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 me. Sure's the way it comes across to me. Do you now, think – go ahead. And then he follows, he follows that up with starting the brawl. Now, you can try to put it on Molina all you want. But if you call a guy a bitch and then the next day you want to come up and play tappy-tap with your bat, I mean, how do you <laughs> think that guy's going to react? I mean, that's just asinine. I mean, he ain't, you ain't going to come up and walk up and he ain't going to be your best friend the next day. Yeah. And then, you know, when the bench is clear, you're, you act like you're surprised. I mean, it's, it, it, the whole thing was asinine. It was moronic, and it was just about me. He wants to be Chad Johnson. Who? And it's just moronic. Now, yeah. <laughs> I refuse to use the other name. <laughs> uh, now, you know, I'm not going to defend the brawl or any of that thing or blame but, you know, we, we hear these people talking about veteran leadership. Where was, Brand, or where was Brandon Phillips for veteran leadership here? Yeah. We talk uh, about, you know, we need these veterans. We need these veterans to, 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 to teach the, uh, these young players how to deal with pennant pressure, the, the stubs and the Bruce and these young guys. Well, do we really need this guy running his mouth off and putting more pressure on these kids to perform? I just don't see – I can't imagine what was running through this moron's head. And, it, and and according to the Cincinnati papers, nobody on the Reds has come out and defended what he said. They have all said they wished he'd have kept his big mouth, big pie hole closed. So how anybody can defend it is beyond me. 
Now, I'm not blaming it for that's why they played horrible for three games. But it sure in the hell didn't help. It took the focus off of baseball. Wow. I, I just don't know why you ever give somebody else bulletin board material. I just don't understand. Now, maybe it's the background of being a huge football fan and playing a little football when I was a kid. But why would you give somebody else something to fire them up? That's just stupid. Well, I love it when you get excited like that. Uh, I, I might want to just sit here and listen to you rant for the entire uh, podcast, and uh, I'll enjoy that. Here's my perspective on it. First of all, uh, truth is a defense. Uh, he, Brandon Fields was absolutely correct in what he said. Now, that really doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about here today. Um, I, I don't think anybody disagrees that uh, with what he said. I think you're probably right. It's, uh, he should have just kept his mouth shut. Um, and... Uh, I, you know, I can't argue with that position. He should he shouldn't have said it out loud. The way you put it is is really the way that I've been thinking about it lately. What did what what do you hope to gain from something like that? Uh, you know, what's the what's the best case scenario? The best case scenario is he gets his names in the, name in the headlines, and uh, you know he's uh, he's that he's the showboat for the Reds. He's the Chad Ochocinco. Um, but. Now, here's where I sort of differ with a lot of the commentary about how it affected the series. The Reds lost those three games because they did not hit, uh, their veterans included. The Reds lost that, those games because they made so, more mental errors than they've made in a three-game series since April. It really looked like for three days, the same team we saw in April that was uh, bad base running, missing the cutoff man, just mental mistakes, just awful. And if... Some of the Reds, and a lot of people have been trying to blame the fact that the Reds lost their focus or, or something like that on Brandon Phillips' statements. Well, here's what I say to that. I don't blame Brandon Phillips for that. I blame uh, Johnny Gomes or whoever the guy is that lost their focus over some comments off the field. These guys have things going on in their lives all the time that could distract them. If these guys are uh, purported to be professionals and can't do their job. I don't blame Brandon Phillips for that. I blame the individual player who was unable to get focused. Now, I don't know if, if there was a lack of focus that had anything to do with these comments. Um, I, have, I agree that he shouldn't have said it, but I don't blame Brandon Phillips for the fact that Johnny Gomes didn't hustle after a ball before that uh, and missed the uh, catching a, a foul pop-up the pitch or two before the Grand Slam on Sunday that lost the game. Uh, I don't blame... Brandon Phillips for the missed cutoff men. I tell you what I do blame Brandon Phillips for. He played terrible during that series. Uh, he deserves uh, blame for that, but I don't blame him for anybody else playing bad. The Reds just, frankly, listen, I think they're going to be in the race through the end of the year. They look like they were not ready for prime time during that series. They played scared all three games. And, you know. Or at least, I shouldn't say it. The two that I saw, the two that I saw they looked to me like they were playing. They were played scared. They didn't look like they, they were, were wanted to be there. And 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 I, I, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they lost three. They're only a game back, and right now they're even. But I'll tell you what: who do you think is going to be more confident they, next time they meet up with the St. Louis Cardinals, the Cardinals or the Reds? Well, yeah, I agree with that. But you know, I think that's the case regardless of what Brandon Phillips said. The Cardinals have been there. They've been a, a playoff team for years. They, you know, they've they've earned a little bit of that swagger. The Reds have had. You know, about 79 straight losing seasons. Uh, you know, I don't expect them to, uh, you know, be the sort of uh, alpha dog in the race. 
on the other hand, I agree with you. They, they did play scared, but you know, they played scared. They looked uh, like they were deer in the headlights that first night before the, the Brandon Phillips controversy ever even uh, happened, that first game against the Cardinals. Um, so I, I think it's more a, a situation where this team was not ready for prime time. They were not ready for the, the bright lights of a pennant race necessarily. And remind me again why we brought in Orlando Cabrera and, and some of these older guys. I thought they were, with all that experience, they were supposed to, yes, you know, sir. get the Reds ready. Yeah, he's, he's there well, though. Know, they just made that big trade. They made that big trade the day before and bought in, brought in that playoff veteran, Jim Edmonds. And he was going to, you know, he was going to turn them young outfielders around and they, you know, they're going to be triple crown winners now because he's the man. He must be because Jay Bruce just destroyed a ball a couple days ago in the first game of the Florida series. Destroyed a ball, dead center field home run, and, and all the announcers could do was fall all over themselves crediting Jim Edmonds because they saw him in the dugout uh, talking to, to Jay Bruce before that at bat. And so uh, his veteran leadership uh, caused then, Bruce to hit that home run. And then typical Reds fashion, the next day, where's Jay Bruce? Exactly. On the bench. Exactly. Uh, and we'll get into this crazy roster they've got going on right now and the fact that they've got a platoon outfield, it appears, uh, in a moment. But um, it, the the St. Louis series was a disaster. There's no two ways about it. It was a disaster. Uh, does it end the season? No. I mean, the Reds have bounced right back. They won their first two uh, after that. And, uh, you know, they're, they're back tied for first place. The season's still got a long way to go, but there's no question that they embarrassed themselves. Uh, when the lights came on, in a, in a big-time situation, first time for this organization in uh, over a decade. They embarrassed themselves, didn't they? Yeah, they did. You know, and, and I, I, like I said, I was out of town. I, I caught the uh, the games on television. We were, we were on vacation. I caught the games on television. I caught the first game on, ES, or on ESPN, I guess it was, and the second game we were in a sports bar, and I caught it on the St. Louis uh, sports feed, which is funny because in that second game, between and I'm not exaggerating because my wife would back me up on this. Between every pitch, they had the camera on on Brandon Phillips. Between every pitch for almost the entire ball game. Now I couldn't hear what was being said, but I'm assuming it was about Brandon Phillips. And my guess is it wasn't complimentary. <laughs> I can't imagine why you would think that. The, but I, I, I'm not exaggerating at all when I say between every pitch for. At least the first four innings of the ball game, when the Reds were in the field, the camera went to Brandon Phillips. Well, that's it what Brandon—that's what Brandon wanted, wasn't it? Well, that's exactly what Brandon wanted, and you know, and again, and I think it was in the paper today here in Cincinnati. You know, and uh, Dusty saying, "Well, I'm going to talk to Brandon," and, and even the, the the writers here are, admit, are finally admitting that that's a joke. You know that he's trying. You know that we've heard this song before, again and again and again, where Dusty's going to talk to Brandon Phillips. You know the boy is deaf. I mean, either he's deaf or he tunes Dusty out because he don't listen to nobody. <laughs> well, I'm I'm and defending. I'm just, I, I've had enough. Well, this is the first time in however well, long uh, we've had Brandon Phillips here that I'm defending him. I, I just I can't blame him for what uh, he shouldn't have said it. I agree with that, but I don't blame him for. It's not his fault. The Reds. Uh, Look like uh, little leaguers against but the Cardinals. But it didn't. It did. Even in the best of circumstances, it wouldn't have helped the situation. So uh, it's just so ass. I don't know how you can defend it. I just don't know how you can defend it. Now, I'm not saying it cost them three balls. I'm saying, but I'm saying that if anything, it's a distraction. And why would you do anything that might distract your ball club when you're playing the biggest series that this franchise has played in ten years? 
I mean, it, it's beyond it's beyond moronic. <laughs> All right, we're gonna have to maybe agree to disagree. I, I just I think he probably shouldn't have said it. He was ill-advised to say it because there's no upside to it. But I don't think it I don't think it was the reason the Reds lost. Uh, so. Um, uh, Anyway, let's 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 move on a little bit to how the Reds have responded since then. Obviously, they won the first two games um, of the Florida series, and we're actually recording this podcast. Um, I try not to do this uh, for those of you that listen in the next couple of days, but we're recording it. There's something happening in the game today. We're recording it as they're playing here on Sunday, and there's something just happened in the game. I don't know if you're following it. Um, that leads right into what I wanted to talk about next. Homer Bailey, first of all, is making his uh, first start back from his rehab assignment today, and looking pretty good so far. Well, the Reds, in their infinite wisdom, sent Juan Francisco down to make room on the roster for Homer Bailey. Okay, Francisco's got options. But what we've got now is a situation where you've got basically six starting pitchers on the roster, and you've got six outfielders on the roster with one backup infielder, uh, Miguel Cairo, who's actually playing today. We sleep Scott Rowland as the backup infielder. Well, what happens early in this game today? Joey Votto got tossed out of the game and as far as i can tell for nothing he was jawing with the umpire under his breath it looked like and got tossed out of the game so now the reds have playing first base jim edmonds your friend and mine um (laughs) so you're playing with 24 guys anyway because johnny cueto is uh suspended You've got six outfielders and one backup infielder. Now one of your infielders is gone for the day. What kind of Looney Tunes roster construction is this? Even for, for the short term, wh- why are they afraid to make a decision on which one of those outfielders to get rid of? Um, it's you know obviously between Stubbs, Heisey, and Nix at this point. Um, wh- what are they thinking? Let's let's talk. Let's, first thing before we get off of completely off of the the fiasco that was the St. Louis series. No, let's leave it. I don't let, want to let talk me about say it. This. I... <laughs> Well, I am going to say this. I don't have a problem with Johnny Cueto's suspension. Now, I didn't see the the brawl 42 times in, in, you know, in slow motion and all these other things. And I've heard that he was pushed up in the screen. and you know. But if he was kicking at people's faces, you're going to get suspended. Let's be honest. Now, should other people have been suspended? I didn't see the whole thing in multiple replays, so I, I can't say. But I don't have a problem with him getting suspended for a start. Yeah, now, me, moving on from there. Let me just let me just agree with you. Let me agree with you there really quickly. Um, I, I think that probably it was an appropriate suspension. He was scared clearly. He was pushed up against the, the screen with you know fifty guys all around him, and he was he you could see it in his eyes. He was scared, but he deserved that suspension. Chris Carpenter should have been suspended. Um, it, he instigated almost the entire uh, escalation of that thing. And frankly, Carpenter should be suspended for being a jerk. But um, but you, but you're right. Uh, you're right on Cueto. All right, now what do you think about this roster construction? The fact that the Reds are hamstringing themselves willingly. Well, and the other thing is, you know, you you mentioned Stubbs, Nicks, and and Heisey, but they just picked up a guy they didn't need. Yeah, let's talk about that I real mean, quick. I I, I, should, I meant to lead in with that. The Reds traded. I, I, Chris Dickerson to the Brewers no for Jim Edmonds. I have no understanding why anyone would believe that Jim Edmonds is going to be more valuable to this team for the rest of this year than Chris Dickerson would. I don't understand the theory. The guy's broke down. I mean, he's hurt now, apparently. he's Supposedly, he's got a bad Achilles tendon now. 
you know, he's hit. Is he hit decent this year? Yeah, he's been all right in very limited at bats. But do I believe he's going to hit better than Dickerson will the rest of the year? No, I don't believe it. And Dickerson's better defensively. He's got more left in the tank, and he can run. I, the trade made no sense to me. Uh, I can see the defense of the trade. Uh, Chris Dickerson's hurt hurt more than Jim Edmonds. Um, Chris Dickerson has never hit really anywhere he's been. He's got on base pretty well, and that's what I liked about him. His, his on base skills are pretty good. His defense has been good in the past, but he hasn't shown a whole lot in his major league career with, with respect to his defense. And frankly, I think we need to be honest here. He was in Dusty's dugout, du- doghouse. Um, he made those complaints about not getting a chance to start uh, during spring training, and just he's never been Dusty's guy. I think there's a very good argument to be made that. For the rest of this season, for what the Reds need, Jim Edmonds helps the Reds more in the short term. Um, and, and frankly, Chris Dixon didn't have a future here in the long term anyway, so I don't have a problem with it. Uh, Edmonds uh, hits with power. Uh, he got that left-handed bat. Uh, you know, if they if they use him the right way, which is really they should uh, they should have just uh, gotten rid of Lance Nix, designated him for assignment, kept Drew Sutton when they lost him earlier uh, to the Indians. They should have just designated Lance Nix for assignment if they wanted uh, Jim Edmonds, and, and there's your roster spot. But, uh, you know, I liked Chris Dickerson. I liked the fact that he got on base and he ran well. But uh, he's a spare part. Chris Dickerson doesn't have a, a future in the major leagues as anything more than a you know fourth or fifth outfielder. Uh, Do you I, think I, Jim Edmonds does at this point? I think he does for the rest of this season, and that's what they need him the for. The guy's 120 years old. He's got a bad Achilles tendon. And now, now he's our alternate starting center fielder. And so, and you're and you're defending that idea. Yeah, I think for what this team needs this year down the stretch run, uh, I I can see the argument for Jim Edmonds being a, a better uh, a better fit for this club. Um, he's he's played awfully well this year. He he the guy can still hit, um, and hit with power. Although he hasn't proven it in his first uh, week with the Reds. And I like the the comment somebody made. You know, uh, he he joins the Reds for the Cardinal series, and once again the Cardinals come to town, and Jim Edmonds kills the Reds. You know, we've seen that how many times? Of course, this time he's wearing our uniform. But uh, man, what's the deal? We're disagreeing a lot today. That doesn't usually happen. It's exciting. What? Well, that's because we're not used to you being wrong so much. <laughs> that's right. I'm usually right about everything, but I must I must have uh, screwed this one up. Well, uh, you are when you're. You are when you agree with me, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay, so they got Jim Edmonds. I, just, I don't understand. I don't understand trading for a guy that's 120 years old, you know, for a stretch run that 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 couldn't play regularly on the Milwaukee Brewers, and now he's going to come here and he's going to start half the time. I mean, to me, I don't understand that. You know, I. What'd you give up he for? Was a really him, good player at one time. What'd you give up for him though? Nothing. We gave up a guy that has more skills than he does at this point. And that guy has been on the disabled list for all of the last two seasons, practically. Well, he broke a bone in his arm. I mean, if you're if you're if you're going to give guys a pass, I mean, in, or in his wrist. I mean, people wanted to give Scott. We we said the same thing about Scott Rowland when he got hurt when he got here last year. They said, well, he can't help it. He got hit in the head with a pitch, and that's true. Well, he broke, you know, are you going to hold Jay, Jay Bruce's broken wrist against him from last year? Because well, it's the, the same thing. The point is, you're talking about Edmonds' age, 
and, and I agree with respect to comparing athleticism between the two, but he's been in the lineup more than Chris Dickerson's been able to be in the lineup. This year, yeah, I agree with you. But he, you know, but he broke, you know, and you're saying he can still hit, he's still got power, and he's got eight home runs in limited event, 200 and what is it, 250 at bats here? Yeah, 250 plate appearances. He's got an 813 OPS. You know, it's not bad, but he's going to, he's not going to, he's, if they make the playoffs this year, they're not going to make it on the strength of Jim Edmonds helping this team. They're going to need Drew Stubbs to start playing better. They're going to need Jay Bruce to start playing better. They're going to need Johnny Gomes to start playing better. And, you know, that's the other thing. I'm tired. I'm already tired of listening to Jay Bruce and Drew Stubbs get all of the blame for, for, for how much they're struggling. And Johnny Gomes is always conveniently left out of the argument. And he's supposed to be your veteran presence. You know, we keep hearing how good he is hitting with runners in scoring position. Not so much since May. You know, let's be fair. You know, if we're going to spread some blame around, let's spread it around. No, that's a great but point. It's a great and ex- I just, I, I really don't. I don't like trading young guys, whether they're they, they, they bring me forty year old guys that, that that have no skills left, and I, and I don't think the guy's got skills left. And I, you know, you can talk about his eight thirteen OPS, you know, and his three. I guess he got a three forty on base percentage this year. But he can't play defense. You know, you may say, well, you know, Mike, in fact, Mike talked about, you know, how good he was in the past. I don't care if he was Babe Ruth when he was 30 years old. I just, I just, the the trade really bothers me. And I'm not saying that Chris Dickerson's a great player or that that, that he has a future with this team. But I'm saying if we were going to trade him, we should have got more than than Jim Edmonds. Well, I... Here's what I think about that. Chris Dickerson got through waivers. Nobody claimed him. Uh, he's not exactly uh, a, a big-time trading chip. That's a good point. What you got to look at is um, both these guys are spare parts. We're not talking about, and I do want to get back to your point about Gomes because that's a much bigger problem. The Reds are talking about two spare parts here, basically, and Chris Dickerson and Jim Evans. Neither guy was likely to be around this uh, club next year, frankly, uh, at any rate. What you got to look at is which guy has a better chance of helping this team this year as a spare part. I think that the there's a, a an argument to be made both ways. Uh, I, I just can't condemn it uh, offhand because I think there's a pretty good chance that Jim Evans could be uh, better for the stretch run this year. Neither of these guys are going to be guys the Reds are going to be counting on uh, on their you know, team next year. That's going to be a you know uh, hopefully a, a serious contender. Now. Your point about Johnny Gomes is extremely well taken. I love Johnny Gomes. Big fan of uh, Gomes, and I like it. I just like everything about the guy. He's not hit a lick in two months. And you're right. He's not getting called on that by anyone. And maybe it's because he has a mohawk and he's a crazy guy and everybody likes him, which is all good and uh, proper. But the fact is, he has been, over the last two months, one of the worst outfielders when you include offense and defense, and he's terrible defensively. In the entire National League, uh, according to uh, wins above replacement and uh, some of the advanced statistics, he's been a replacement player, basically, uh, where the Reds would have been better bringing up just about anybody to replace him. That's how bad he's been when you include his terrible defense. I don't know why he keeps getting a pass and why he keeps getting, uh, you know, he plays more than anybody in the outfield, frankly, and I, I don't understand it. If you'd replaced him with Chris Heisey uh, in left field about a month ago, um, I gotta think the Reds would have been in uh, better shape offensively. Uh, 
Uh, Gomes is just, uh, you know, he's struggling worse than I've seen anybody struggling. While he's struggling worse than anybody, including Jay Bruce, who has clearly uh, struggled. What's the story? Why do they, why do they keep running that guy out there uh, so often? Do you have any theories on that? I think it's it's the you know our old our old joke. I think it's veteran leadership. You know, it's the same reason Cabrera runs out there. Gets you know if he could run out there on a peg leg. You know, Dusty could put a parrot on his shoulder and eye patch and a peg leg, and he'd run him out there to shortstop. And, and I and, think it's the same thing with Gomes. You know, he thinks these guys, you know, they're veterans. They're going to give you more than what you see in the box score, which I think is a load of horse shit. I mean, if you can't, if it don't show up in the box score in one way or another, it didn't happen. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, hitting to the right side and all that stuff. And, and I think Paul Yanish's bunt last night is a prime indication of that. What a phenomenal play that was. But does anybody really believe, no matter how well Paul Yannis plays in the next two to three weeks, that his butt ain't going back to the bench six, seven days a week when Cabrera's healthy? Yeah, he's going back to be uh, I, I the bat. It's the same thing with, yep, and it's the same thing in the outfield. I don't think it matters how well Paul, Chris Heisey hits or Stubbs hits. I think Gomes is still going to play five days a week. Yeah, uh, you know, the, talking about peg leg uh, Cabrera, what would be funny is uh, in that situation, listening to Paul Kills uh, on the television talking about uh, Cabrera's great range and what, how great he is defensively uh, with that peg leg. Uh, they uh, they praise him no matter what he does, and he's he's been pretty bad this year. He's not been uh, the worst shortstop in the league. Um, but Yanish has come in, and I can't believe everybody can't see how much better Yanish's defense is. Yanish is not going to hit any better or worse. Probably in the, he's in the short term he's hitting better than Cabrera, but probably over the long term he's probably not going to hit. Uh, much better, if at all. Uh, but his defense has just been fun to watch. And then you watch him, like you mentioned, the uh, suicide squeeze bunt. What a fun play that was to watch. And, and it was a bad pitch. Giannis had to almost jump out of the way of the pitch to get the get the bunt down. Uh, it was outstanding. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's something to be said with the dancing with the the ones that brung you all this way. But you know, when you got better options and you're fighting every single run is important when you're in a pennant race. I just don't understand running uh, Gomes out there. So often, when he's clearly just he's he's really struggling at this point. Um, but I don't know what they're going to do. I, matter of fact, I thought they were probably going to send down Chris Heisey to make room for Bailey today. They surprised me by sending down Francisco. I didn't think there's any way they'd send down a they wouldn't send down an outfielder. And, and just looking at it uh, and the way Stubbs has sort of picked it back up lately, I really thought they were going to send Heisey down, which would have been just a joke because Heisey has done everything that's been asked of him since he was brought up. That guy doesn't ever need to go back to the minor leagues, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I, I don't know what they're thinking uh, with respect to this, e- even in the short term, really hamstringing themselves uh, roster-wise. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, the only thing, uh, for one, a couple things that occurred to me when you were talking, one is you're talking about you know they, they, their theory maybe that they're dancing with what brought them, but then you know you got Edmonds playing almost every other day. So, so much for that theory, you know. Uh, you have to wonder. I mean, Mike Leake to me last night looked completely ragged out. Uh, and you know, you got Bailey back today. You know, and he's pitching in Cueto's spot today. You know, but he's he's back for for good, assuming he stays healthy. And Harang is pitching a rehab start today in Louisville. He's supposed to start in Louisville rehab start. So you're going to have him back in a week or so, or well, who knows? He's probably, it's probably longer than that. It'll probably be September. Uh, but that's another starter you're going to have. 
to me, they're either going to have to find a way to, they're going to have to slip Mike Leak onto the DL somehow, fatigue shoulder or something, or they're going to have to uh, reuse him out of the bullpen or, or, or something. But he don't look like the same kid we saw in, in April. Now, you and I have talked many times about that these young guys, you know, you can't expect them not to go through rough spots and all that. But, you know, asking him to continue to pitch when he's up against his innings and, and you know, his, his inning limit and all that kind of thing and, and the pitch and all, he just looks dead to me. He, he's, his pitches were before they seem to be breaking out of the strike zone and now seem to me like they're breaking into the strike, into the middle of the strike zone, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. But they've got to do something with Leak. Uh, yeah, I think you're I don't exactly. know what they're doing. I think you're right about I don't about know it. what they're doing with Wood. I don't know what they're doing with Wood either because he only threw two innings last night at Louisville, and then they took him out. Now, whether they're thinking about him for the bullpen up here or not, I don't know. What they said in the paper, I think uh, I read, I think Mark Sheldon had something that uh, basically they were just getting him some work in. They expect him to start here Thursday, I think, in Cincinnati is what they were talking. So you're right. Okay. You're right about Leak. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was – I don't want to read too much into it just from watching on television, but – uh, I don't, it could have been the heat. Uh, it could have been uh, any number of things. Uh, I may be reading too much on his body language, but I agree with you. He looked exhausted last night. And and you got to think, you know, Mike Leake's getting up, bumping up against that uh, number where, uh, you know, going past where he's ever thrown before in terms of innings pitched. And and you got to think he is getting getting tired. Uh, what's the problem with putting him in the bullpen for a couple weeks at least, uh, letting him be the long man out there, moving uh, Bailey back into the rotation or? Or Travis Wood, I, yeah, they got some decisions to make, and, and I don't know, maybe send Leak down to Triple A and bring Wood up. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't envy him making those decisions, but clearly Leak, although he he had what they they call a quality start, you know that whatever that statistic is they they talk about, he had one last night, but he wasn't sharp, uh, and and uh, and he's he's getting tired. Looks like I don't know what and they're going to really, do. And he really hasn't been sharp in a while. I mean, not like he was early in the year. And I'm not talking about. You know, but I'm just talking about balls that you know that he was leaving out in the black or a little bit on the outside. Now they seem like they're they're finding their way into the middle of the plate, and he just doesn't look like the same kid that we saw earlier in the year. And I'm just I'm sure he's just tired. Uh, and, and I know you know I was slow to get on his bandwagon. And I like the kid, but I'll tell you what I like Wood better. Uh, every time I watch Wood pitch, he impresses me. Uh, and, and he's he's another guy that's gotten much, much better as he's advanced through the organization. And I saw him pitch in Dayton. I, I saw him pitch in Sarasota. Uh, and he just he's, he just really, really impresses me. But he's another one of the – he's got the same kind of makeup that Leak does where they, they don't look like young kids when they're out on that mound, though. I mean, he, you know, whether they're tired or not, they look like they know what they're doing out there. Yeah, it's been really impressive to watch both those guys, just their maturity level and the way they attack the game. Uh, I, I like to, when I think about Travis Wood, I call him Tom Browning with good stuff because he works fast. He, he really looks like he uh, has control of the game out there, but sometimes his stuff just looks unhittable. Um, you know, and he's, he's had rough spots uh, along the way, and he'll have those in the major leagues, but I agree with you. Travis Wood has done nothing uh, but. It was a shame that he had to go down to Triple A. I guess is the way to put it, because he did nothing to deserve getting sent back down. Uh, he earned a, a spot on the roster, just the way it worked out. Um, he needs to be back, and you know that's a good way to give Mike Leake some 
some rest perhaps is bring uh, bring on wood. I don't know how they're going to work all of it out. You're right. They got a rain coming back. Who knows when? But but you know soon. Um, he's on the verge of it. Homer Bailey back today and looking pretty doggone good uh, as of now. Just struck out Hanley Ramirez for the second straight time. You know. <sighs> I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but uh, they're going to have to do something because if they keep throwing Mike, Mike Leak out there every five days or you know maybe they skip a start here and there, they're still, by the time October gets here, he's going to be useless to us. Yeah, I mean, I, I – and it's not, you know – and it's, I'm sure it's a combination of things. I'm sure it's the innings. I'm sure it's just, you know, he's a, he's a Southern California boy. He's probably not used to – Cincinnati in the summertime when it's 95 degrees. Well, this week it's been 98 degrees and the humidity has been awful. And that, you know, so it's a, it's a number of things. And he's a young guy and, you know, they're seeing him the second, third times around and, and he's going to have to make some adjustments. But it's a good problem to have that we've got these young guys. I mean, and, and let's not forget that. Let's, let's remember how we were a year or two ago when we were running out. You know, Joe Blow and his 6.54 rants, and please get me four innings. Yeah, I, I can't believe that we're in a spot now where we're even having to discuss this, but, you know, the Reds have a habit of waiting, 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 delaying these decisions as long as they can, and, and you know, things have sort of, the Cueto suspension, things always sort of pop up to uh, to make their decision a little bit easier, except for this outfield uh, fiasco. They Nothing's happened to make them, force them to make a decision, but... It's going to be real interesting to see how all that plays out, uh, but there's really no bad options in that in that group. So, however however it works out, it'll be fun to fun to watch. Now, I put up a new poll at Red Leg Nation earlier this week, uh, asking where we everybody thought that the uh, Reds were going to finish up this season, and, and you know, put it up right after the Cardinals series, sort of see where everybody thinks uh, the, the options were: the Reds win the National League Central title. The Reds finish second in the Central but win the wild card, or the Reds miss the playoffs entirely. Where do you fall down on on that question? Oh, I don't know. I, you know, I know what my heart tells me. My heart tells me, you know, that we're going to win the division. If I had to, if I was betting money, I would probably take option C that they miss the playoffs. I, I just, I'm so prone to the bad happening that I just think something's going to happen that is going to send them into a five or six game, seven game tailspin and St. Louis will get hot at the same time. And, and it's going to be tough to beat San Francisco for the wild card with their, with their uh, pitching staff. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, in that West, the West coast swings, you know, scare the hell out of me. I mean, this team historically goes to the West coast and goes in the tank. Yeah, and we've got that big West Coast trip coming up here soon. I, I'm not sure what the answer is either. I want to vote that the Reds win the National League Central title. 47% of the voters have, have picked that one. And maybe that's some wishful thinking, uh, some rose-colored glasses. Second choice was uh, 31% said the Reds would miss the playoffs entirely. And then 22% of the voters said the Reds would finish in second win the wild card. It, it's going to be tough. I, I do believe firmly that the Reds are going to be in the hunt for both the division and the wild card all the way to the end of uh, the season. I think that at this point, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to believe that the Reds are going to be right there. The question is going to be, you know, are they going to be able to finish that off and, and grab one of those playoff spots? I, I don't know. I hope so, and I think they got a, a good chance of it. They're in a good position. 
but it's going to be tough to beat the the Cardinals and the and the Giants. And you know, we, how many times have we gone out west and the Reds have blown it and it's been an ugly uh, story on the way back east. If that happens again this year, it could be fatal um, to the Reds' chances. But on the other hand, look at it this way: the Reds only need to go 24 and 21 the rest of the way to finish with 90 wins. That's amazing that the Reds are you know don't have to play that well the rest of the way to win 90 ball games. And if the Reds win 90 games, don't make the playoffs. Listen, I'm still going to be a happy camper. Um, you know, I, I would prefer the playoffs. Exactly. But that'd be a great way to finish the season. And there's and there's no reason to believe that this team isn't going to be better next year than they are this year. There's no reason to believe that they won't be. There's you know there you know there's nobody on this team other than Joey Votto having a phenomenal year. Yeah, I agree. What about another year of experience for the young pitchers, Leak and, and Wood, and Homer Bailey, who's still young? Uh, what about another year of experience for? Jay Bruce has got to improve next year. Drew Stubbs, Chris Heisey, uh, you know, uh, you're right. Before this season, we had a hard time figuring out how the Reds were going to improve offensively that much. Well, next year you can kind of see some of these young guys, uh, offense and uh, pitching-wise, really see some places where there should be some progression. There should be some improvement. They should be better next year. Now, you're probably not going to get the same kind of production out of Scott Rowland. That's another place where, you, you know, you can't expect that out of rolling again next year but uh but you're right if the reds were to somehow pull off 90 wins this year playoffs or not uh, with what they'll have coming back next year listen for the first time in a decade the season will end and i will have been a, a happy happy reds fan and we don't, haven't been able to say that in a long time so i'm trying not to get my hopes too pinned up on a playoff spot this could still be a great season as far as i'm concerned if they don't make the playoffs but my goodness, I do want to see them playing uh, some October baseball, don't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. But before we get off that for a second, and I think you and I talked about this earlier a little bit on the phone today, is if we're going to talk about next next season, I mean, let's talk about what the way Louisville's playing in the second half. Uh, they're playing in the second half like we expected them to play all year long. I mean, I think they've won. What did we just say? Like they won twenty four their last twenty eight or something like that. I mean, that, that's big red machine hot. Uh, Yonder Alonso has gone, gotten on, on fire today. Pat Frazier's hit really well on the second half. Danny Dorn came back from being hurt and has played well. The pitching's done well. Uh, there's no reason that some of these guys down there can't come up here and help them next year. Uh, you know, the outfield spot's going to be an interesting fight next year. You got Francisco. You got, you know, wherever they think they can play him. Even though I, I firmly believe I, I firmly believe he's he's a, a trading chip, and you and I have talked about that. But Yonder Alonso is 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 really caught fire in the second half down there in, in, in Louisville. Uh, now where he, he you know another guy that you know where are you going to play him? He's not going to play first base on the Cincinnati Reds, and they've kind of given up on the idea of him playing the outfield. And you know they've even admitted at this point that the idea of him ever playing third base was a pipe dream to begin with. So you know, is he a trading chip? I don't know. You know, they've got some 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 uh, pitching that's that's tradable. Um, there's a lot of talent in this organization right now, at least down to the AAA and, and some at the AA level. Now below that, I think you got some uh, the other guy, the outfielder guy that's that's put himself into the. Uh, into the equation, I think his name is Sa- Saffelt. 
Dave Sapel. I believe his name is, and he started the year. Dave Sapel. He started the year in High A, and he's playing Triple A ball right now. Uh, so you know he's going to be part of the equation. Uh, there's some talent in this organization, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, and there's no reason to believe if they don't make. I mean, a ninety. I don't think there's any of us that are listening right here right now. But if we said on, on opening day, this team's going to win 90 games, or would you be happy with that no matter what? I don't think there'd be anybody that would say, no, I'll be pissed, you know, if they don't make the playoffs no matter what. I'll be thrilled to death with 90 wins. Absolutely. And, you know, your points about AAA is uh, extremely well taken. A lot of sort of almost major league ready talent down there. A couple guys you mentioned, the Sapelt kid, uh, he's only 5'9", but he is a uh, – as quick as Drew Stubbs, they'd say. Great defensively, perhaps the best defensive center fielder in the entire organization, including Stubbs, uh, is what I've been hearing. And he gets on base. He's just a fun little player to watch, and he's really worked his way into the conversation. Um, Yonder Alonso, I absolutely love the fact that Yonder Alonso is murdering the baseball in the second half in Louisville. I love it, and here's why. Yonder Alonso will not be a Cincinnati Red this time next year. That's my prediction. But the more he hits down there, uh, recent number one pick, the more his trade value goes up, and he is somebody that could, uh, he's the one trade chip that could really be packaged into something that could uh, help the Reds next year, wherever the Reds decide they need that help. Maybe a left fielder, I don't know. But uh, he is, could be a, the primary chip in a big time deal that could really sort of put the Reds over the top next year. And so I hope he keeps crushing the baseball and I wish him the best of luck. He's not going to be a Red. There's just nowhere to put him. Uh, in Cincinnati, I think that after the season's over, they're going to sign Joey Votto to a long-term deal, buy out some of his arbitration years. I believe that. But uh, and so Alonzo, I think's gone. But man, the more he hits the ball down there, uh, the more excited I get about the fact that he could bring some serious return that could help push put the Reds over the top next year. You're right. There's some guys down there, some chips that are really could help the team uh, in the next two or three years. Um, and it's just, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. And you're right. Nobody, I think if we'd have put the poll question up on the, at redlegnation.com, you know, how mad would you be if the Reds didn't make the playoffs, but they finished with 90 wins? It'd be 100%, uh, would be happy with 90 wins regardless of the playoffs. And I'm, I'm not changing my story just because of the fact that the Reds have been right there all season long. I desperately want them to make the playoffs, but if they don't, uh, it's been a, it's been a fun season. And the first time really we've had a, a fun season in a long time. And, you know, there's something to be said for that. I do have a question for you, though. Where does Scott Rowland go every Sunday? I mean, does he go to church all day long? Is that why he can never play on Sundays? I don't know what the answer is, but what bothers me more than him not playing every Sunday, which bothers me, but what bothers me the most is we got an off day tomorrow. Does he need two days off at his advanced age? Is that what it is? Uh, every time it seems like we have an off day, Baker sits in the day before the off day. You get those old bones, those creaking bones, and another extra day. So I don't know whether he's uh, off to church or synagogue or whatever he goes, but uh, he certainly doesn't play on Sundays, and, and the Reds could probably use him today. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I went back. and In fact, I think we did a post on, on Scott's Sundays off or something a while back, but can't argue about the production when he's been in. Now, he's had some cold spells like everybody else, but overall, you know, he's done really, really well for me. You know, and, and I didn't like the trade, and I still don't like the trade. And I, and I shouldn't say that. I don't have a problem with the trade at this point, and I did at the time, 
but I do still have a problem with the two-year extension. Because whether you like it or not, and whether his skills drop off the edge of the table, he's going to be the starting third baseman for the next three years. Yeah, there, I, I can't can't argue really with any of that. But you, as you said as well, you can't argue with the fact that he's been fairly steady and productive when he's been in the lineup pretty much all season. I, I just I hope he can avoid any of those big injuries like have waylaid him the last few years. We'll see. Um, but it, it, the Reds need him in the lineup, and I, I just. If he needs those two days off to ensure that he's going to be healthy the rest of the year, well, great. But I think the Reds need him in the lineup as often as they can get him in there. I don't, I don't like him being just sort of a standard uh, Sunday uh, bench sitter. Anything else you got to say about the uh, the big Cincinnati Reds, the new Red Machine here uh, <laughs> that we're not ready for prime time, but uh, are uh, sort of fighting back? Anything else you got to say about what you expect from them the next month and a half? I, the only thing I would say is is. As we talked about earlier, you know, Paul Yanish, we hardly knew you. Uh, it doesn't really make a difference how well you play in the next three weeks or however until peg leg gets back. You're still going to be down there sitting on the end of the bench. Um, I'd like to see Ryan Hannigan playing a little bit more, even though Hernandez is hitting the ball pretty well right now. But I just really like the way Hannigan handles the pitchers and the catches and the throws and the way he handles himself behind the plate. I just really, really like the kid. And, you know, we talk about all the higher and, – and we maybe we don't talk about this enough, and I, I think I posted about it a while back. You know, Hannigan is a guy – you know, we talk about our high draft picks, you know, the Stubbs and the Vados and the, and the Bruces. Hannigan wasn't drafted. He fought his way up through this little organization when nobody believed – in fact, I think you're the first guy that ever turned me on to Ryan Hannigan because you, you saw him play double-A or something and really liked him. And this is a kid that nobody expected anything out of, and, and he's a quality major league player. He's a he's a he's an outstander. Anybody that runs on him is out of their mind, and he's hitting almost three hundred. You know, I don't know how you can complain about him. I mean, he's he's just a phenomenal development. He's he's a phenomenal story. It, absolutely, that's the word I was going to use. It's a, what a great story. This is a guy that had nothing handed to him. Not drafted, and he has had to, like you say, he's had to fight for every single thing he's gotten. And you can't enjoy more uh, watching a guy like that see some success at the major league level. And you're right, he's a legitimate major league catcher at this point. Probably, uh, you know, a top shelf defensive catcher. You can't run on him. Uh, he handles pitchers well. I mean, it's obvious that pitchers have confidence with him behind the plate. And none of this is to sort of criticize Ramon Hernandez, who's had a good year this year uh, with the bat particularly but Hannigan is a he's a legitimate legitimately good major league catcher he's a guy that could have a nice little career here and and yeah I saw him play for Chattanooga a few years back when he was down there and I don't know what it was that caused him to sort of stick out for me Um, I need to go back and find I took a couple pictures of him that day when he was down there catching there's something about him that I said you know this guy uh, and that's before I even realized he was undrafted I didn't know much about him until I got home and, and, and looked it up um, so I'm, I'm I'm tickled to see him playing, and I agree I'd like to see him play more. Although offensively, you can't argue with what uh, with what either one of those catchers are giving you. What production we've gotten out of that catcher spot this year, I never would have I never would have guessed it. It's been outstanding. That's uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens next year with the catchers. Uh, so a lot of questions, but I'm just I'm sort of sitting back and enjoying this season, and uh, and hoping we have a pretty good uh, ending to it. Yeah, you know, talking about catchers and, and next season, even though I don't think he's ready next year, but 
you know, we here at Red Leg Nation, we're taking full credit for Devin Mazzarocco's big year. The, uh, the interview he did with with, with us is what, what sparked this big year, and I've told him that, and he told me we'll have to do one again this offseason. And I said, <laughs> any time, brother. That's right. What a revelation he's been uh, after three years. Everybody agreeing that he was having some trouble adjusting, you know, coming straight out of high school. He's hit and hit and hit and hit, and he's throwing people out. You can't run on him is the, is the word down there. He's throwing out over 40% of base runners against him. Uh, he's doing much better receiving the ball, according to the scouts. Um, and he's just been—he's uh, got to be your minor league player of the year. And, and yeah, he's yeah you know, he's a double A now, and he, that's not too far away. So um, that exciting times there. And then you know, yesterday, uh, Yasmani Grandal, the Reds' first round draft pick this year, catcher, he was in Cincinnati in the in the booth with uh, Walt Jockety up there in the the suite. And they said he passed his physical and he's ready to go. It's looking like he's going to sign uh, today or tomorrow. Uh, they're they're fairly confident about that according to what uh, Mark Sheldon uh, had written uh, this morning at reds.com so you know you got another guy uh, thrown in the mix there so the reds are actually pretty uh, pretty stacked when it comes to catchers but I'm like you we're, we're going to take every bit of the credit for uh, for Devin Messerocco because he was uh, kind of struggling a little bit uh, until he talked with you on uh, one of our earlier podcasts and he's been nothing short of brilliant uh, since then so uh, matter of fact, we need to pick out some guys that we want to have good years next year to get you uh, hooked up with them to interview before next season uh, since you've got the magic touch. Well, you know, before I get off on Devin here, you know, he was, according to the game thing last night, he was like a couple of feet from hitting for the cycle last night. His, la- his second double and his last at bat almost went out of the ballpark and he'd have hit for the cycle. How's that for a catcher? <laughs> but, uh, the other guy that we talk to all the time is our guy Matt Clinker, who's you know last time I looked was leading the Southern League in ERA. So that's two interviews, two pretty good ball, two pretty good seasons, you know. That's right. Uh, you've got the touch. We need to spread that around. What people just uh, banging on your door to get in to do a a Red Leg Nation interview with uh, with the good luck charm, Bill Lack. Yeah, the other guy we talked to is Mark Flurry, and Mark's had a real good second half in Dayton. You know, it seems like the light's gone on for Mark a little bit. He's another, he's just a quality kid, real, real nice guy. Um, going back to Grendel for a minute, do you think the Reds can afford to tie up another spot on the 40-man roster for a guy that's three years away? They're going to. That, that's my prediction. And, and no, I don't know where they're going to find the room and on, on the 40-man roster. They're already having problems with the 40-man uh, before losing uh, Drew Sutton. I, I don't... That's just the way it works these days, those draft picks. Uh, he's going to demand a 40-man spot, and I think they're going to give it to him. Uh, now, of course, he's played a pretty high level of college baseball. He may be – his bat is probably not quite three years away. Um, I'm almost positive his defense is going to be three years away at least uh, because he's, he just doesn't get really high marks. And I watched him play a few times uh, – against uh, my Virginia Cavaliers, who Devin Marzarocco uh, was supposed to go play for and before he decided to sign with the Reds. I want to point that out again. But, uh, yeah, I think they're going to give him a 40-man roster spot. I don't know where they're going to find the space, though. I, I agree with you. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I think they will. They'll do something. Yeah, and the other, you know, the other thing to think about, I think, with these 40-man spots is what kind of message does it send to the Matt Clinkers, to the Danny Dorns, to those kind of guys? You know that are working their way up, trying to get on that forty man. You just, I guess I guess it, t- it tells you that it's a business. You know that it's all about that it's about the money. Yeah, and you just got to hope that the guys like you just mentioned are, if they don't get a shot with this organization, that somebody's going to see that uh, 
they can provide some value to a major league team and 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 give them a shot at some point. Uh, the Reds can only hold on to them for so long. A guy like Dorn, I've always felt, could be a really quality, at least a platoon guy in the major leagues. Uh, he he's a he's a major league hitter as far as I'm concerned right now. So, um, and of course you know what we think about Clinker. We're obviously a little biased. He's a good kid, and uh, we really uh, enjoy following his career. And you just hope that the Reds can find a spot for him. Um, but you know you're right. There, it's, it doesn't send a very good message when you're giving uh, these 40 man spots to some people that maybe have not earned it. But that's it is. You're right. It's a business. Yeah, I mean it's, it's tough to, to defend when you got a guy sitting on your 40 man roster and he's playing a ball. You know, and that's where this kid's going to start. I mean, it'll probably be in Lynchburg, I would think. But this kid's going to start in a ball. I, I, I can't imagine him starting in double A. Now, maybe I'm wrong, you know, but it, it just, and, and, you know, if you want to sign him, you're going to have to, you know, do some give and take. But if it was me, if I were the Reds, I'd be more willing to give him a little more money and hold I'll try to hold back on the roster spot myself. But, yeah, what, we'll you know, I, I, God knows I'm not a general manager. Thank, thank goodness. You'd be signing all those veterans. Hey, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have Jim Edmonds, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, well let's uh, let's end it on that one, Bill. Um, appreciate you joining us again for another uh, Red Leg Nation Radio podcast. All you out there that have downloaded and listened to us uh, this week, appreciate you doing that. We enjoy it, and, and and we really do appreciate the fact that you take some time out of your busy days to listen to us ramble. And and this week, listen to us argue about uh, what's going on with the Reds. You can weigh in at RedLegNation.com on whose uh, side you're taking in these arguments we've had here today, uh, unless you want to take. Bill's side of the argument. If that's the case, just keep your comments to yourself. Hey, I gotta go take my blood pressure medicine. Calm down. <laughs> that's right. You go do that, and then I'm gonna go sit and watch. Hopefully, uh, watch Homer Bailey pull out this game here on Sunday. Appreciate you joining us, Bill. For uh, Bill Lack, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. <laughs>